It is no secret that the travel industry has undergone some major changes in the past few years. And even though it is back and booming, so much of why and how we travel has changed. Welcome to Travel Redefined. I'm Sarah Dandeshi and I'm your host, and I'm excited to talk to thought leaders in the hospitality and travel space for insight on the future of travel. Welcome back to another episode of Travel Redefined. Today's guest, very excited to have him on, Kevin Stovall, who is the CEO of Iconic Presentations. You, by the way, if you are in the hospitality space, you have probably seen him online, especially on LinkedIn. This guy, super active, lots of great content coming out. And speaking of great content, really excited because he is working on a book that is going to be coming out. I'm going to let him dive into all the details of it, but... When he first told me about it, I was like, there is nothing like this in the space. Very cool. So I have all these questions. So I'm, you know, we're going to dive into all of that. But um, without further ado, Calvin, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm excited, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you. Absolutely. So, um, okay. And this is cool because for those that might not know this, we, and we were just talking about this, we've been connected online for quite some time now. And, and now, now we're finally like talking in real life or in real virtual life, however. Right. So, um, but would love to like kind of bring everybody up to speed just on you and your background in case they don't happen to know, but could you share a little bit about your hospitality background and then Really kind of like what brought you to developing and, and launching Iconic Presentations? Wow, cool, cool question. So um, actually, I have about 25 years in the hospitality experience, probably closer to, to 30. And you started when you were 10? <laughs> Very nice, I wish. Very <laughs> nice. But actually, um, I started as a, actually, I'm from Chicago originally. I started as a front desk clerk at a Holiday Inn in downtown Chicago. And of course, got other gigs in the hotel industry and eventually became vice president of brand marketing for Homewood Suites by Hilton um, after completing graduate school at Cornell University. So um, I've been in the industry for a while, you know, loved my Hilton years. A lot of, um, you know, cut my teeth there on a lot of things, marketing and so forth. But also I've done some work in nonprofit. I've worked for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital on the fundraising arm outside. Um, I've also been the CEO of an organization in Memphis called Soulsville Foundation. Um, yeah, yeah, which was pretty cool as well, which was, um, it was a nonprofit that um, I don't know if you're familiar with, you probably might be too young, but Stax Records. Um, but they have, yeah, they have Isaac Hayes. Wait, this is going to turn into a whole music conversation. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to jam yeah. in a second. I mean, Isaac Hayes, you're speaking to my soul right now. Yeah, right? Isaac and Staple Singers and all those guys. But there's a Stax Museum of American Soul Music there. They also had an after-school music program for at-risk youth and a charter school on the same campus. So I served there for a couple of years as well. And so I said, to follow up on your second question with why iconic presentations... I've always loved speaking, um, Sarah. It's just been in my lifeblood when I was working with Hilton. Um, you know, you'd have to get up and do presentations on your marketing plans and things of that nature. Um, it just felt so good, you know. And so uh, one, a friend of mine actually was a speaker. You know, his name was Keith Harrell. Um, he's, he's gone now, but he, he actually kind of mentored me in the speaking business. So that was like, what, 2000 something? And 
I've been doing it ever since. So just love doing it. It's just a great way to uh, get energy, energize people, motivate people, inspire people. And I just love that. It's just great. Well, you definitely have the right personality for it. And, it. and it makes sense. I mean, it's like if you are motivated by inspiration and inspiring others, which then in turn almost insp- you know, inspires you as well, too, it's, it's a perfect fit. But you also have such an amazing background. What I love is that it's like, yes, there's certainly the hospitality element, but then you've covered so many things. Like you bring a lot to the table and it's, it's a lot of, it's very, you've got a lot of enriching experiences. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that that obviously like, it only, it only makes sense now, you know, speaking to you, like, feeling <laughs> you know, like it, it totally, it totally makes sense. So I love that. So thank you for sharing a bit of your backstory, but I want to talk about this because this is super exciting. When you first told me about this, I had to, I literally was like rubbing my eyes and like reread it again. I'm like, is he really doing a book on this? This is like, what? Okay. So, so everybody, <laughs> um, so you're working on a book right now that's called hospitality historiography. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yes. So yes. I'll let you do the, the little pitch in here. No. But tell us, little, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the book and then also what inspired you to write this. This I, I like to call this book 30 years in the making because it, it kind of is. They uh, usually you know, are. I, yeah. I, I actually, it started when I was at grad school. There was an organization that started the National Society of Minority Hoteliers. They have chapters everywhere now. But the first chapter was at Cornell, and I was a grad student there. And uh, there was an undergraduate student there. His name was Evan Frazier. He lives in Philadelphia. Now he's doing some great things. But, but he was, I think, the chairperson of the organization at the time. And they were having their first conference. And he said, Calvin, would you be open to doing some research on a history of Black hotel ownership? And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I, I'll, I'll look into it and, and see what I can find out. And let me tell you, Sarah, I, I got into it. So so what ended up happening is it became my monograph, for my graduate monograph, because I got so in, so engaged in it. Well, I, was like engaged, but yeah, exactly. I was looking, Sarah, I'm getting ready to date. I was looking at stuff on Microfish, okay? That's okay. how that far I had gone. Micro who? Micro who? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Stuff on micro because the stuff was so old. I'm talking about stuff in like the 1850s, 1900s. So it was old newspapers and things of that nature. So what ended up happening, the monograph was about 100 pages or so, and it kind of delved into some some you know great experiences, um, hotel owners, and and the book sat on the shelf for a long time. Okay, fast forward to about twenty twenty one. A friend of mine was I was cleaning some stuff out, and I had the monograph. And a friend of mine was there, and she was like, "What is that?" And I said, "Well, it's it's a it's a it's a monograph on black hotel ownership from the like the seventeen fifties eighteen hundreds." She was like, "What? We owned hotels." That was her exact reaction. Wow. Let me see it. And she started reading. She said, oh, my God, this should be a book. That was it. She was right. She is right. (laughs) So I actually reached back out to Evan that when when we originally had the conversation, I said, man, what do you think about this? He said, oh, my God, man, that is that would be wonderful to have that kind of history written. And so, so I have been working on it. I am. I am almost like like 95% done. I got a couple of chapters to go. I already have a publisher. It'll be published by Brown Publishing. So it will be a kind of 
coffee table kind of book. So you have stories of the hoteliers and the pictures of them and the properties that they owned. I'll just tell you the learning that I've had doing this is, I mean, I, I, yeah, I started in like 1753 with a lady named Rachel Paul Green. Um, she had a hotel in the Bahamas and then I go all the way through. So wait, that was in the Bahamas? Yeah, that was in, in, in oh. I mean, um, Barbados, I'm sorry. Oh, Barbados. Okay, I go yeah. all the way through. It's almost like a a tale of hotel history from like the, like almost like a linear almost right so yeah, and it goes all the way through to the civil rights era. So nice. will I have every hotel? Absolutely not. It's virtually no no, 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 of course not. No one could expect but, that. Yeah, yeah, but it is it is a very thorough book. Um, so I go all the way through from. I have a, a chapters called Pioneers of the West. So I have people in there, Barney Ford, and some other people, Downing. These people you probably never heard of, though. And that's the great thing about it. That's what's so exciting. Um, you know, Sarah, Spencer, Washington, people like that. It's just like, and they were able to create a hotel, first-class properties, you know, because they had to, because they couldn't stay in white-owned hotels. So they had to create their own for the race. But I'm talking like first rate. And a lot of them became millionaires. That's amazing. And what's, it's almost like these, and you can correct me if I'm incorrect on this, but like almost like these silent pioneers in yes. this industry, so to speak. Yes. And what's going to be so beautiful about this book is that it's going to shed light on all of these individuals that, and it's not to say that you're touching on every single you know person that happened or family that happened to own a property, but with each story, it's a little bit of a slice of life that gives you a sense of, maybe ha the social climate of things in that time period. So it's like with each time period and each region, and then probably with their stories, I can only imagine you're kind of discovering a little bit of like, okay, what are the challenges here? How are they different uh, here versus there or this time frame, or 10, 10 years later? So yes, 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 yes. So it's been fascinating. And I, I think, you know, my whole reason for writing the book is really, of course, to get get the stories out there so people can read them and know. But I want people to be inspired by this, um, really, because it, it doesn't really, I mean, we know about the challenges of segregation and the Jim Crow era and all of that. And that's, of course, in there. You can't write this book without it. But I think what people will read also see is that some of these people that are in this book were former slaves and were able to build hotels. I know. I have chills. <laughs> I mean, like, to go from, from that, you know, from being, you know, former slave to then not only, not only out of that, but then owning a business and owning a successful business. Like, the arc of that life trajectory is, is fascinating. It is fascinating. Unless you know, I mean, you persevere. You could do anything. I mean, they, they, were, they were in a very challenging era and was still able to, because all of the Black musicians... Artists, politicians, influentials had to stay there. Um, yeah. So it's just a great, great, great stories to read. It's it's such a cool deep dive. So I want to, if you can share some, I'm sure there's many things, but did you discover anything that was maybe like surprising or unusual along the way? I, I think I did. There were a couple of things. One one of the things that I I thought was very very cool is how the the spouses played a significant role. Okay, how so? Okay. Um, like, for example, you know, the Green Book that was written, 
Um, and for the green, I don't know, probably a lot of people have seen the movie that won the Oscar, I believe it's called Definitely Green Book. Definitely loved it, yes. Um, and so there was, of course, there was a real Green Book that was written by a guy, Victor Hugo Green, who created this guide. It was a, a guide to help African-Americans be able to travel across America safely. So it had a listing of hotels, motels, restaurants, barbershops, all of those things in there. And then I think it was started in 1933 and it ran through 1966, I believe it was. But like, but his wife, Alma, played a significant role in having those published. And then when he passed away, I believe it was 1960, she carried it on. Oh, wow. That's great. So, I mean, it's things like that, um, like the, uh, the Blake Hotel, same thing. Adam Blake was running that hotel when he, Catherine was right there with him. So he passed away. She took it on. So you have a lot of situations where, but like somebody like Sarah Spencer Washington, she did her own hotel. She had a Brigantine Hotel in New Jersey. So you have also have women hoteliers as well. That's cool. Right. So Annie Box and her husband, Curly, Annie had the Mountain View Hotel in Arizona. Um, so, I mean, they, they, they were out there doing it. That's so, were you able to find any old photographs along the way? Yes. Both, oh, absolutely. My God. Photographs are going to be in the book. Yeah. So, so of course you have, to, and that's what's taken in book. I was hoping I'd be done with this book by now, but it takes time to get the rights to get the photos. And so all the permissions and all of that. And, and the great thing about it, I thought it was going to be super difficult when I told them what I was doing. In a lot of cases, they were like, just sat here, take, take the photo. Please take um, it. Yes, exactly. Share this story. Yeah. Share the story. Um, so the role that women played in everything, I, I, I was a bit, I was like, that's very, very cool that they did. And then the other thing that I found really, really cool was that I know a lot of people know about Tulsa, the Oklahoma massacre with Black Wall Street, all of that. And of course, there were a couple of hotels, the old, um, Stratford and the Gurley Hotel get burned down in that era. But the thing is, that was a very thriving African-American community. I mean, doctors, lawyers, all. But but as I'm writing this book, there were more areas like that. Oh, that yeah. were African-Americans were there, like um, the Fillmore, like Fillmore area in San Francisco. There was a seventh ward in I believe it was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And then there's another one. Yeah. Black Bottom in Paradise Valley in Detroit. They were all like thriving African-American centers where they had music, schools, all that. I mean, just beautiful. And and then what ends up happening sometimes is, of course, highways come through, all kind of stuff. You know how, you know, gentrification and things. So they, they, and that's what, you know, I think the cool thing about this is that it just shows and demonstrates that you can do anything despite the challenges you're up against. And um, I just think this book, I think it should, it will inspire a lot of people. If they, they felt like they can own a hotel. Yes, you probably can. Yeah. I'm just inspired just even hearing this story because again, what you're doing is, is you are really bringing this voice to these individuals that really, really made the most when there were so many challenges and not just social challenges, but probably legal challenges as well, too, placed in front of them. Let's, let's call it what it is. And like be able to push through and figure it out and to be like, okay, like this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to, you know, we'll be able to build our dreams. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how can you not be inspired by this? I mean, this is inspiring to, 
to all Americans or anybody just, you know, looking to make their way in this world. Absolutely. One of the most, I'm just finishing up on a guy named Dana Dorsey. They called him DA and he was in Miami and, you know, African-Americans really pretty much built Miami, the railroads, everything there. And he actually, when he got there, I believe it was like 1898, something like that. He saw an opportunity because they had all these black laborers there. They weren't, they were sleeping in tents, just awful conditions. And he was like, well, looks like these people need some homes and places to stay. So he bought a parcel of land. for I think it was like 25 bucks, built a little house on it. Then he took that money, rented it out, bought another parcel, bought another piece of land. Wow. He did it over and over and over and over and over again. And by the time he was done, I mean, he had land all the way up to Fort Lauderdale. I mean, he just and became a millionaire. So it's just like, I mean, he had a Dorsey Hotel. They built a library after him, all of this stuff. But um, Dorsey Park is still there. So, I mean, it's things like that. You're like, wow, that's just incredible. He was doing, of course, for his race. But at the same time, he was building an empire. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's just fantastic. And fantastic. making an impact on the community. And like, yes. you know, you're talking about how there's that park to this day. It just goes to remind us that there are little nuggets of some incredible history all around us. If we just like ask a couple questions, you know, it's like, why is this park named that? You know, many people are like, we don't even ask. But then maybe dig a little bit deeper and you're like, that's actually really cool and very impressive. Yeah, he actually owned at one time, I believe he bought Fisher Island in 1918. And it's like now I believe it was one of, what is it? I think it's one of the nation's richest zip codes now. Um, well, but of there course, you go. During that time, he didn't keep it long because, you know, they put some blockades. He had to end up selling it uh, not even a couple of years later. But I, I go through, I go through a lot. I go through, uh, I have a section on Las Vegas. I said section on the city. So, you know, because Las Vegas was challenged, very challenged as well. Um, yeah, so. oh, I, I can all I can only imagine. I mean, and that's <laughs> yes. sure. Like it's like, first of all, they they all every every destination or every city or region has its own challenges, but then like build all of this into it. I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating. So I want to ask you, it's a broad question. So I mean, but you know, however you're kind of like inspired to answer it, like kind of translating everything that you've been researching from all of your years of researching this and then putting this together and then translating it to today and considering probably who's listening and inspiring them. How how do you see the impact that African-Americans have actually had on the hospitality industry today? Well, I think like huge because that's (laughs) I think, you know, I think, you know, you know, unfortunately, I mean, there was a plus and minus so the Civil Rights Act of 64, of course, we all wanted to have free, you know, access to get into where we wanted to go. And that's all, I think that was all wonderful. But what ended up happening is all of those, a lot of those Black-owned properties were abandoned, um, you know, because Blacks were like, well, hey, we can stay wherever we want now. So they went everywhere. So what ended up happening in a lot of cases, they either, you know, went under or some, a lot of them, you know, parking lots now, um, I think as uh, Candace Taylor, I believe she did a, a wrote a book called Overground Railroad, and of those green book properties that were in there, I think it's only two percent of them still out there today. So we've lost, yeah. So we've lost a lot of them, and I think even today, I think maybe about one hundred and eighty-five thousand or so hotels in the U.S. African Americans still only own about two percent. 
So it hasn't really changed that much, but yeah. on a positive note. Love, okay. Okay. Um, we have like, there's a chapter in the book called Keepers of the Flame. So there's a young lady named Devon Reeves, um, who she has an organization called the Vaughn Group. And she is actually uh, a real estate investor and developer. She owns several hotels herself. So she's actually helping African-Americans learn how to buy hotels. Then you have- I follow her on social media. Yeah. She's I know. A, yeah. I know her. Yeah. So she and, you know, Choice Hotels, I believe Wyndham and I think Hilton has a program as well where they're really trying to increase the percentage of hotel ownerships by African-Americans, which, but we still have a long way to go. But I think that as long as we start, we can make the progress and go there. I just think during this, in this book, you will see it was a thriving industry for African-Americans. It was. A lot of them started in catering in some cases, and they opened a hotel and restaurant, and, and then it just flourished from then on. And it's, it's just, like I said, it's just one of those things that you just wouldn't really think about. No. And I think a big key t- takeaway is if they could do it then, we can do it now. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. No, I, I love it. I'm so eager for this to, to come together. So if there's anything that I can help you with, like on the back end, by the way, like I'm putting this out there in the, in public, but I'm saying like, if there's anything <laughs> help you like wrap it up so it gets out there, like, please like count on me for that. Cause like the industry needs this. And I, I love that you're doing this. I really, really do. So like huge kudos to you for that. Thank you so much. And, you know, I didn't do it alone. I have, I have people helping me in on the back end as well. So, but, but thank you so much. I'll come back. I'll come back with the book in my hand. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. <laughs> so I, I want to just like ask a couple of final questions here before we wrap up. Okay. So I ask everybody this, but I, I, I would love to hear your aspect on this. And I, I love this. So considering the title of the show, how do you see travel being redefined? Wow. I know uh, it's, a, it's a heavy one here. <laughs> that's a heavy one. I, you know what? I love, I love technology. I think some brands are doing better than others on the techni- technology side. Um, but I, I, I think once we find the balance between technology and human touch, I think it would be there. I think you have some going too far tech, maybe too far. I mean, it's just once I find that good balance and I know there's brands out there that are probably doing a good job at it, but I would say once once redefine, I think you just have to, customers have changed so much. I think COVID and pandemic and all of that stuff has just changed expectations for people, what they're looking for. And so you just really got to stay close to your customers and really understand what's going on so you can better serve them. But I do think that technology, human touch balance is really going to help move the industry forward because the younger generation, um, they want the technology. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> we want it too. We want it too. Yes. But I was going to say, it's like, it, like all generations, obviously yes. like to each, you know, each one will be wanting more of certain things. But what I always say, because I love that you brought this up because it is that intersection of technology and then still having that personalized touch or that, that, real human connection yes that yes. fine balance that you that i think always is kind of like the the age-old struggle with hospitality but you nailed it on the head and said know your customer because again it's 
you know your guests, you know your clientele, you know maybe they're older, they might be less likely to be technologically inclined. Or if you have a younger clientele, like that's all they want. They don't even want to even talk to people. So how do you find that fine balance or business travelers? How do they like to travel? So but I also always say, look to yourself to see what habits you're doing, because pretty much the answer is right there at your fingertips. Like, no joke, like in the phone in your hands and how you're yeah. using it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You just can't, you can't forget. We still are in the hospitality industry. 100%, 100%. And I also always like to say is that despite technology and having the personalized connections and people always kind of dismissing younger generations as like not wanting to interact with people. And it's like, well, if you give them a good positive experience, you can help groom them to realize, oh yeah, Absolutely. these are ways that I can work with individuals. So then you can have a little bit of the best of both worlds. So Absolutely. I agree 100%. You got to train people and, and, and coach them. Exactly. Right? So true. Yes. So true. <laughs> right. so, so I want to ask you this question, which is kind of actually happens to come into this per- like nicely. Naturally, you've stayed at various properties, you know, certainly as a traveler, even like through your work, you, you know the space. And just, you know, customer service in general. So this doesn't have to be limited to just necessarily hotels. But what makes something five-star service to you? Wow. Uh, let me, let me, I'm going to tell you about it. I recently went to, right before Christmas, I went to the Palladium Jamaica Resort and Spa. Ooh, okay. I'm familiar with it. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And when I say, look, the place was beautiful. The building was absolutely, it was a big resort. It was gorgeous and everything. But I tell you, the people there were the most warm and hospitable employees. I don't know what they're giving those people or whatever it is, pixie dust or whatever it is. They, I don't know what it is, but they were just so attentive and so responsive and so empathetic and just, just always on it. And um, five star, I think they were five star for sure. And I just think that it was just a lesson. You can have the most beautiful building in the world, but if the people inside of it aren't inspired, and what they're doing, it's all for nothing. But they had both. They had the beautiful building and the beautiful people. I and, ooh, I love that. Yeah, I and love it was just that. a great experience. I, I, I always recommend that place to people. But that's what I would say five star to me was that they were just, you never like felt like, like if you stand in there, if you stand there too long, you can guarantee somebody's going to come up to you and say, you need something. Can I help you find anything? You know, you go to some places, you stand there forever and nobody will come up. <laughs> I know. Some places I have to right. talk, you know, because I'm like, I get it. Like, I know what it's like if it's like super busy and all of that. But some places where I'm just like, come on. Right. Like, yes. I'm like, well, we yes. know what we're doing here today. <laughs> well, maybe we do it for you. But um, exactly. I know. No, I love it. No. And, and you and you really bring up a good point. It's it's always it does come down to the people. But again, creating that the right employment culture so that they go ahead and they go above and beyond and they can then relay what the property should be all about. But again, it, it is about the people, not necessarily the finer things around you. That That's the nice touch, but it's it to the people. So, okay. As we wrap things up here, this, by the way, this has been such an incredible conversation. I'm, I'm again, so thrilled for your, for your book, but let's bring it back to iconic presentations. Like 
What's any new exciting things that you might be working on? Anything we should be on the lookout for? What's coming up next? The book is my life. Love it. <laughs> right now, you know, well, you know, I'm still speaking and everything, you know. So if you need a keynote speaker, let me know. Because I still have to bring money in for now until I start selling books. But um, right now, I'm primarily focused on completing this and wrapping this up. Um, because I want to get it out there and um, I want to see it in my hands, you know? Yeah. Come to life. Everything yes. to life, yes. everyone else's story that's in it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that's, that's pretty much really what I've been, I'm going to be working on. Definitely well-deserved on that. So we'll be sure to, to keep our eyes peeled for it because I know you're going to be sharing a bit of, of the journey along the way until it's, it's out there and, and ready. Um, so for everybody that's tuning in, where, where can they go for more info if they want to, you know, make sure that they stay connected with you? Yes, well, you can find me on, of course, on LinkedIn. Just type my name, Iconic. It'll 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 come up. Um, my website is iconicpresentations.net. Twitter, IG at Iconic Speaker. I'm there. Amazing, great. We will definitely be sure to have all of those links in the show notes as well, too, so everybody can go ahead and keep in touch because it, this book is really going to change so much and it's going to make such a huge splash. So. So excited. We'll definitely have you back on for sure when the book comes out because there's going to be so much more to talk about then. So Calvin, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you to all your listeners. It's been fantastic. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and chat with you. Okay? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So for everyone that's tuning in, how amazing is Calvin? He's awesome. Uh, definitely be sure to connect with him everywhere online. Again, links in the show notes, um, wherever you're listening, you can go ahead and connect with him and stay tuned as this book is going to be coming out in a few months. And it's definitely something that should be on your radar and you should get a copy as well too. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys as always for tuning in and uh, tune in next week for another great episode of Travel Redefined. Well, there you have it. Thank you for tuning in to Travel Redefined. Hopefully you've taken away something from this week's guests and that you too are excited to see how travel is evolving. Don't forget to leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode and subscribe so that you won't miss out on the amazing conversations to come. And until next time, keep on traveling. <laughs>